The following audio is from Central Christian Church, located in Portales, New Mexico. To connect with Central, go to centralwired.org.
some of y'all might remember those two two guys. They, um, you know, the Muffet Show was on a long time ago, and um, those two old codgers, well, they've been compared to these two old codgers. And, uh, you know, f- several months ago, maybe a year ago now or so, it's been... It's been my pleasure, my honor. You know, it, we, Donnie and I really never planned it. We never scheduled it. It just kind of started happening. That we kind of started meeting up about 9.30, 9.40 every, most Sunday mornings and would sit out there at the table and, and visit, you know, over a cup of coffee. And a lot of times God was the whole entire conversation. Sometimes it wasn't. Sometimes we just talked about life and we talked about the world. You know, and, and I, I appreciate that and it humbles me so much that there's a man of God like that that I can do that with. But, you know, <laughs> Donnie got real nervous whenever I had him take that, that picture a couple of weeks ago. And he's like, uh, no, I'm not, no, no, I'm not. And I said, come on, Donnie, I need someone to throw under the bus here in a couple of weeks, you know. And so, you know, he, and he's been a little nervous this morning. He said, do I need to come up there with you and defend myself, you know. And I said, don't worry about it. I got it. No problems. But we, I've had fun with it. You know, I, all I was going to do this morning is just kind of some of the things that we talk about, I wanted to share with you. Because I think there's days that we talk about things that are, Real godly, like I said, and some days it aren't. But you know, there were, a couple of weeks ago, Donnie was uh, telling me about he had just listened to or, or watched or something, a, a pastor or something give a, a, a talk, and it it was kind of about how we remember certain things. And uh, we remember songs, and we remember TV shows or movies, and the second we see the first blast of it, we remember the entire thing. You know, especially like songs. Like, help me out a little bit here. You know, if I start out and I say, on the road again, can't wait, okay, the old Willie Nelson song, everyone can sing that one. Or what about this one? And I don't know if it's real appropriate for church, but we're going to do it anyway. Um, I got friends in low places. There we go again. We got all these songs that we can, this first word or two comes out, and you're just right in there, and you're dialed in, and you're singing it. But you know... What about whenever it comes to Bible verses? Ooh, I would probably fail. Because there's a lot of them that they start saying them and it takes several words. Oh, yeah, I remember that one. You know, now the one, you know, that uh, God so loved the world that what? He gave His only begotten Son, you know, the John 3, 16. Well, that's, that one's the basement. That's where we begin, and that's usually the one that most people do remember. But once you get past that... Can you pass or will you fail? I'd probably fail. You know, another thing we talked about one Sunday, and, you know, <laughs> it's pretty cool and pretty neat. You know, we got to talking about strip-till farming peanuts. Well, maybe this isn't the crowd for that. Y'all might not get into that very much. So we'll go on from that one. And, you know, but something here a few weeks ago we visited a little bit about. And, uh, you know, we sat over there on the side in, in those two stools, and, and we're almost kind of like those, you know, like I said, we got compared to those two old guys in the Muffets that sat up there in the balcony, you know, overlooking everything. And, <laughs> you know, the guy that said it to it, we really didn't appreciate it at the time whenever he said it, did we? But, you know, we kind of got to thinking, well, maybe he's kind of right. You know, maybe we are sitting here and we're looking at everybody that comes in. And, you know, those two guys in that deal are judges. And we got to talking about it said, you know, are we sitting here judging people as they walk through the doors? You know, because some come in and they're wearing boots. 
Some come in wearing flip-flops. Some are wearing sandals. There's even some in some high heel shoes. And there's even a lot that just wear plain old tennis shoes. You know, and there's some with red hair, some with black hair, some with blonde hair, and some with not a whole lot of hair at all. But you know, they all come through that door, and they all have one hunger, and one thing that they're out after, and that's out, they're out after Jesus Christ. And after what He did for us, because every single one of us that walks through that door, every one of us is a sinner. I'm a sinner. Everyone in this room's a sinner. And if you don't think you are, ooh, man, look out. Because we all sin, but He gave His life for us and hung on that cross so that our sins may be forgiven. And we may repent from our sins if we will but just do it. So, you know, as, as, we, as people came through the doors, and, and I think the coolest thing about coming to church here and that I've really come to enjoy and to like, you know, I'm, I'm on a lot of different boards and in different associations, and usually those ones, I mean, we're kind of dialed in one direction, okay? We're looking to do one thing or do this or, or so forth. And whenever we come in here, yeah, we're all dialed in to do one thing. We're all here about Jesus, but aren't we such a great melting pot? Because there's all sorts of different shoes that walk through that door. All sorts of different people. All sorts of different people in their walk with, with Christ. Whether they're first time through the door, or whether you've been coming through that door every time it's been swinging for 40 years. We're all hungry for the same thing. We might be on different levels, but we're all a big, huge melting pot. And we all believe Jesus can save us. And will save us if we will but just ask Him. Let's pray. Father God, as I come to you this morning, as always, we praise you and we thank you, Father. Father, we thank you for the ultimate, ultimate sacrifice you made. That as we come to commune and to remember you and to remember what you did for us, that's what we're here about at this moment. That as we take the bread, we take the juice, we remember what you did for us. That you're always there for us. Father, as we go forth this week, give us the knowledge, give us the wisdom that we need to do the work in the way that will be pleasing to you, that you want us to do. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.
Humans have a tendency to forget the things we need to remember and remember the things we need to forget. You can call them senior moments. You can call them uh, old timers disease. You can call, it, call them dory brain. But we all have those moments where we just didn't remember all of the details correctly. Like Dan, he went to the gym one afternoon. Uh, he came out and found that his bike had been stolen. He was really mad, went back inside, talked to the owners. They called the police. They got the police down there. They looked at all of the uh, security tapes with the police standing there, and then he realized he didn't ride his bike that day. He walked to the gym, and the police saw it all right there. Or Evelyn, and many, I shared this in first service, and, and a couple of hands went up. Evelyn went by a convenience store to get something to drink, realized she needed some gas, didn't ha often have cash, but happened to have a tin in her hand, so she, in her pocket, so she gave it to the, the lady at the counter to put $10 worth of gas in her, her car. It was about five miles down the road when she realized she forgot to pump the gas, and was too embarrassed to go back, so just donated the 10 bucks. <laughs> or what about Evan, who went to bed one night, woke up the next morning, put his glasses on, and everything was blurry. So he took his glasses off, cleaned them, put them back on. It still was blurry. Went in the bathroom, washed his face, took them off again. It was Everything was blurry. He couldn't see anything until he realized about five minutes later that he had gone to sleep with his contacts still in. And so when he put his glasses on... Everything was fuzzy, and he thought he was going blind. <laughs> you see, we tend to forget the things we need to remember, and we remember the things we need to forget. Jewish culture has a lot of parts of reminding, our fo reminding their followers to remember all that God has done for them. The Passover celebration is chock full of reminders of what it was like to be in the wilderness with all of the Israelites. Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, is a reminder of how we have fallen away and how much God, uh, how God's merciful. They all in the congregation read the Book of Jonah out loud together, and then they all in unison say, "I am Jonah." You say, "Don, I'm not Jewish. That doesn't apply to me." Well, the concept still applies. We just took part in communion, and and. Do this in remembrance of me. In the letters in Revelation, the letters to the churches, to uh, Ephesus, he says, you need to return to your first love. To Sardis, he says, remember his teaching. How quickly do we forget the wonders of old? How quickly do we forget all that God has done for us? We're in this point of impact series when grace impacts us, how do we react? We're going to be in John chapter 21. So if you start turning there, if you're online or on the radio, thanks for tuning in. Central Christian Church in Portales. Let's go ahead and bring the lights up so we can see the Bibles. Uh, John chapter 21. Peter has had many encounters with Jesus. But let me ask you this. How many times do you know somebody that made one mistake and was marked for it for life? All right? We see it in Scripture. 
Thomas was a follower of Jesus, but we all remember him as Doubting Thomas. David was King David. He did so many great things, but in the back of our mind, David was a cheater. Right? We, we, Moses, Moses led him out of Israel, but he was a murderer at first. Okay, so, so we hear these stories, and sometimes somebody is marked for one thing they did. Peter had one bad evening. He shot off his mouth. He said, I'll never leave you. All four of the Gospels tell of Peter's failure, of his collapse. But only the book of John talks about his restoration. Join me in John chapter 21. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they all said. So they went out in the boat. They caught nothing all night. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, throw your net on the other side of the boat and you'll get some. So they did and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he had stripped for work, jumped into the water, and headed to shore. The others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore, for they were only about a hundred yards from shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Bring some of the fish you just caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard, dragged the net to shore, There were 153 large fish, and yet the net had not torn. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus served them the bread and the fish. This was the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon, asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. I tell you the truth, when you were young... You were able to do as you liked. You were dressed yourself. You went wherever you wanted to go. But when you're old, you'll stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. Then Jesus told him, follow me. Peter turned around and saw behind them the disciple Jesus loved, the one who had leaned over to Jesus during supper and asked, Lord, who who will betray you? Peter asked Jesus, what about him, Lord? Jesus replied, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. Now, the site of this story has been confirmed. It's in this little town called Tabga. It's on the northwest side of the Sea of Galilee, right near Capernaum. That church that's right there, that was our group that when we were there, that church is called in our language the Church of Peter's Restoration. It's a rocky shore right there on the Sea of Galilee. They knew this is where it happened, and they built that church there. 
And it's right around Capernaum where he, he and Andrew grew up fishing. So they know this area really well. And Peter shout, uh, just makes a statement. I'm going fishing. It seems like an innocuous little statement. Simple enough. He went back to what he knew. Now, before I start bashing on Peter, there could be other things in play here. They might have needed food. They might have needed money. I don't know, but he's supposed to be fishing for men. Jesus had told him he was going to be a fisher of men. But now he's lake fishing and he's doing it poorly. They've been out all night. They can't catch cold. I just want us to get his gut reaction was to go back. Friends, sometimes when life happens to us, We are tempted to go back. I want to go back to before that happened. Can't we go back to the way it was before that thing happened? Hit the rewind button to when it didn't hurt. You know what I'm saying? When the pain wasn't there. Get a do-over, a mulligan. Replay it so I don't mess it up so badly. I wonder if Peter is having some of those same feelings. Those same regrets. Why did I do that? I know better than that. That wasn't me. I should know better. Let me just say right at the outset, this sermon today is not for everyone. And if it's not for you, and and you're handling this well, fantastic. And I pray that you are doing great. But I got a hunch that somebody in this room and somebody online needs to hear this. And some of you may be dealing with guilt. Some of you may be dealing with regret or shame for something you have done. Or maybe it's you're feeling it for something that happened to you. And you want to pray, and you want to trust, and you want to believe. You just don't know what to do. So you go back to what you know. You go back to the old life, the old habits, the old expectations. You see, their nets were as empty as their confidence. They had no belief in what they were doing. Have you ever been there? You've worked really hard and don't have a lot to show for it. You've put lots of effort but very little results. Realize these guys have been around Jesus for over three years. They've heard all of the teachings up close. In fact, they kind of got the backstage pass and they got some extra times. There were other times where Jesus said, well, here's what I meant in this parable. And he would kind of talk them through it stuff. So they've had all of this insight that he has told them many times he was going to die and come back. And yet they still can feel lost. Can I tell you... Sometimes when life happens and I don't see Jesus the way I thought I should or God doesn't come through the way I thought He ought to, it's very easy to slip into this, well, maybe I was wrong. You know what I'm saying? Maybe I didn't hear Him right. And it's very easy to slip into old man thinking. Now, I'm not talking the old man stuff, the two old codgers that that Mike was talking about. I'm talking about the old man in Scripture, where he says the old fleshly man. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, the old has gone, the new is here. Peter says in many places that put to death the old man of flesh. 
And I'm afraid sometimes we put him in a closet and leave him on life support. We leave that old man and that old personality. Have we forgotten all he has done for us? I love this quote. Most of us can remember all of the things that God has done for us. Will we? Will we remember it? And I think Peter is dealing with another emotion here. Guilt. Guilt feeds itself. How many of you remember Edgar Allan Poe? Most of us had to suffer through that in high school lit. We hated those classes. We hated those poems. Quoth the raven, nevermore, right? He was in the 1800s. He was from Baltimore. That's why their football team is called the Ravens, if you've ever wondered. But that's where it comes from. Quoth the raven, nevermore. And I remember having nightmares about all of that stuff. And he was dark and even macabre. And he was really a famous writer that his poems had a lot of symbolism. But the one I remember often is... One called the Telltale Heart. Anybody remember the Telltale Heart? The Telltale Heart is a story of a, a man driven insane by his own guilt. It, it comes from the perspective of a narrator that's telling about this old man he takes care of. That he's, he's just mean and he's an old codger and he gripes and whines all the time. And the narrator decides, I'm going to get rid of him and I'm going to keep all his stuff for myself. So he kills him and buries him under the house. And nobody's the wiser. Until a few days later when nobody knows what's going on. So the police come and visit him. And as soon as the police show up, he can start to hear that heart beating underneath the boards of the floor. Thum, 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 thum. And he knows everybody else hears it. And the more he talks to the police, the more he can hear this heart beating under the boards of the house. And finally, he confesses to the murder because can't you hear that heart? And he was hearing it in his head because he was so overcome with remorse and guilt. But nobody else was hearing it. Peter may have been dealing with this same emotion. Man, I told him I'd never leave him. I told him he could count on me. I'm the one he said... Upon this rock, I'll build my church. Now, I know he was talking about the statement, but man, he said that to me. I should have been better than that. And it could have sent him into this wallow. Friends, maybe you battle that emotion as well. You can't forget your past. You can't get past what has happened to you. And the guilt just gets heavier. You come to church and you hear about grace, but in the back of your head you're saying, that's not really for me, that's for somebody, good people. You know, you hear Don get up there and talk about as far as east is from the west, that's how far God has thrown my sins, but that's not really me, Don. That's you good people. So it's easy to slip back into old behaviors. And it, and it becomes a toilet bowl. we we get back into these bad behaviors, which makes us feel worse, which makes us feel do more bad behaviors. You see where I'm swirling here? And we get sucked down into that life. Do we remember that God's grace can grow even in broken people? Because guess what? That's all there are. There's just broken people. I believe, I firmly believe, you can argue with me, that's fine, but I firmly believe guilt is an emotion from the pit of hell. 
It is absolutely from Satan. It is absolutely to draw us down. Now, you might be saying, but, but, but Don, I see lots of parts in Scripture. Yeah, but I call that something different. I call that conviction. And here's, why, here's my example for this. Judas, Peter, same guys, same background, same stories, same basic sin. They both deny Jesus on the same night. One guy goes and kills himself. One goes on to be a pillar of the church. Guilt drags you down and says you're worthless and says everybody else around you is worthless. I don't believe God wags fingers. Peter is feeling conviction. I don't know if he knows how to process it, but it's, it's this emotion that says, I can do better than this. Friends, we tend to forget the important things. And we remember all the bad things. And God is trying to get us to switch that. So a, a weird old man comes along on the shore and offers some advice. Throw the net on the other side. Now, if you're sitting there thinking, this feels familiar. Well, the very first time we meet Peter, he's fishing, and it's in Luke chapter 5. And Luke tells the first story of Peter's fishing. John tells the last one. In the first one, they're out fishing. They've been fishing all night, and Jesus is standing there. Did you catch anything? No. Why don't you go back out there and put your nets back out in the deep water, in the heat of the day? And Peter's got to be in the boat going, this knucklehead doesn't know the first thing about fishing. That's not where you catch anything. But all right, I'll do it. So he goes out there and he gets all these fish. And that's when Jesus tells him, come with me, I'll make you fisher of men. And in this last story of Peter's fishing career, it's almost the same thing. Now, we've talked about this before. Those boats in that time were maybe six, possibly eight feet wide. And they, they could be, most of them were about 20 feet these are not cruise ships, all right? These are little bitty dinghies with one pole in the middle and a sail on it and some oars, right? I'm not the smartest man in the world, but it seems to me if there are no fish right here, there's probably not any fish right here. You know what I'm saying? And this knucklehead on the side of the beach says, throw it on the other side of the boat. You'll get a bunch there. Why would they listen? Why would they listen to this guy's comment? Because I believe this. I believe exactly what this says. God doesn't need you to fix yourself before you trust Him. God doesn't need you to fix your situation before you trust Him. He wants you to trust Him and let Him work on fixing the situation. Too many of us hang on to the past and we say, oh, Well, Don, when I get my life straightened out, when I get it all figured out, then I'll come to church. When I get all my sin fixed, then I'll be okay. Well, guess what? You're never going to get there. It's only in giving it to Him and letting Him fix it. Jesus takes Peter aside to remind him of his purpose and his mission. And I think he gets Pete's attention with this redundant question do you love me? Now, I always had this vision. It doesn't say it in Scripture, but I always had this. After they had breakfast, Pete, come on. Let's go for a walk. Let's talk for a minute. I always kind of had this. They were just walking on the rocks and thinking about it. It doesn't say that. Maybe it was. Maybe John was sitting right there with him. But he asked this question three times. And this passage in verse 17 says Peter was hurt because he asked the same question three times. We've talked about it many times. He's trying to drown out the three times that Peter denied him. We get all that. 
But I'm afraid we miss an important verse in verse 19. He's asked this question three different times, and at the end of the verse 19, he says, Then Jesus told him, Follow me. You know why he said that? Those are the very first words Jesus ever said to Peter. Follow me, and I'll make you a fisher of men. He's reminding him of his purpose. Do we forget our purpose? Do we forget all He has done for us? Or do we look at our mistakes and our past and go, I'm all washed up now. I'm divorced or I have a problem or I've messed up or I, you know, whatever the the situation is. Friends, put down your past and pick up your purpose. Let go of the mistakes, let go of the guilt and let Him carry it. R.C. Sproul wrote this book called Knowing Scripture. And he wrote about, I was reading it, and he has this phrase in there called sensuous Christians. Well, that kind of caught me off guard. I was like, whoa. But he doesn't mean it in the way we use that word in the world. In fact, he defines it this way. It's a domination of our Christian life by intangibles of feelings. Listen to this quote. I want you to hear this. Many American Christians have become sensuous Christians, living by our feelings rather than an understanding of the Word of God. Sensuous Christians cannot be moved to serve or pray or study unless they feel like it or it meets their needs. You hearing me? And sadly, they, they do good things when they... Feel close to God. Oh, I like that song. Oh, the Spirit was moving today. I'm ready to serve. But sadly, when they're depressed or guilty or sad or angry or frustrated or lonely, the serving and the giving and the praying goes away. They're constantly looking for stimuli to experience God again instead of listening to the Word of God. Friends, is your walk with God driven by your feelings or is it driven by the words that He said? Because God's promises don't fluctuate with our whims. They don't change because of our attitudes or because of culture's change. God's consistent. And Peter slips into another uh, emotion here. I call it the comparison trap. Look at verse 20, and he looks at John. Now, clearly John is nearby because he's writing all this stuff. And he, he looks at John and he says, well, what about him? What, what, what's happening with him? And this to me is a huge red flag. Be careful, friends. Because when you're in one of those down situations, when you're in your feelings, Satan is very good to remind you of everybody else. He's quick to point out, look at how happy their marriage is and yours is a mess. Look at at those people. Look at their kids. They behave well. They're polite. Ours are hoodlums. Look at all of those people that have got it all figured out and you don't have it figured out. You hear what I'm saying? Be careful. Don't, Don't buy that. Don't fall for that. I love that Scripture gives us the hints and the ideas and how to deal with it. And it comes from Peter himself. Peter, later on in his life, listen to this. Write this down. I want you to go back and look at this again later. 2 Peter 1, verse 5 through 9. 
For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. On this one, it's virtue. It says, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness or kindness, to uh, godliness mutual affection, to mutual affection brotherly love. Listen closely, verse 8. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure... They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting they have been cleansed from their past sins. I love that it's Peter himself that's given us how to battle this feelings thing. You have to intentionally, on purpose, add. And when you're doing that, you're fighting off the feelings and you're basing it on His Word. And He even gives you the promise, you better do it or you'll be ineffective and you'll be unproductive. And guess what will happen when you're ineffective and you're unproductive? You'll just kind of trickle away. You won't come back to church for a long time. Well, you'll just, uh, one of these days, uh, you know what I'm saying? And it's going to be all about our feelings. Can there be redemption for a wrecked life? Well, Peter wouldn't know. The short answer is absolutely. Absolutely there is redemption available. Peter dealt with the guilt and he moved on. He, he dealt with the problem. And we need to remember him more and forget us more. I want to see this as kindly as I can say this. But I need you to hear this. I need you tuned in online and in this room. For some of you, guilt is crippling you. And you need to let it go. Guilt is holding you back. Whatever has happened to you, whatever it is you've done, there is nothing that you can do that God cannot redeem. There is not one thing, not a thing, no thing you can do. Nothing you can dream up. Well, I'm a pretty good sinner. Oh, pish tosh. You're not even close to the best, all right? There are lots of people that have tried. There's not one thing that God cannot redeem. The Holy Spirit is the one that comes in and fixes us. Now, will there be consequences? Yes, absolutely. But let go of the guilt. Some of you, I'm afraid of gone fishing, just like Peter. I don't know what to do, so I'm just going to go back to what I was doing. Put down the fishing rod. Put down the nets. And get back to your purpose. Joan Benzer worked at a greeting card company. Less than three miles from the company where she worked, there was a prison. It was not a country club prison. It was a maximum security. It had 400 inmates, hardened criminals, all right? Bad, bad dudes. All male, all bad. 400 of them. She drove by this thing almost daily, and often she caught herself wondering what happened that got those people there. And then one day, as a mom, she said, man, I can't... What is that like for a mom? For, for the mothers of some of those guys. So she went to her boss and had an idea. You know how a lot of corporate... Companies have those uh, community service days or a project or anything. She goes, boss, how about we do this? How about we get some of us and we take a bunch of Mother's Day cards and stamps and let's go to that prison and let's help those guys write letters 
to their moms. He loved the idea. They called the warden. They worked out a time, and they got it all together. And one particular day, Joan and nine of her co-workers took 200 cards to this prison because they felt like there's 400 inmates. They're not all going to want one. Let's just take a couple of hundred. They weren't there five minutes, and they figured out we grossly underestimated this, sent people back to get more cards because everybody was coming for this. They were lining up. They, when they heard they could do this, they... They came, and within just a couple of minutes, guys were asking, can I have two? And she gladly gave them two, not really knowing why. And after a while, she mustered up the courage to talk to one of them. Hey, can I ask you something? What's your name? And you know, well, my name's Jimmy. And why, why did you ask for two? Well, you see, it's like this. My mom did the best she could, but she had her own problems with drugs. And so my grandma tried to raise me, and... They both tried hard. I'm the one that messed up. I got in with the wrong crowd, and I was stupid. And I just want to tell them both, thank you for trying. And Joan had to turn her head away to keep from crying in front of an inmate. And that day, they kept meeting with people until they found out every single inmate in that prison took at least one card. And that week, from their office, 657 cards were sealed, stamped, and sent And you go, Don, what in the world does this have to do with anything? This is a lady that had a holy moment driving by a prison, right? And saying, we need to do something. Her purpose was to bring light. Friends, our purpose is to make a difference. Our purpose is to bring hope. Our purpose is to bring encouragement into our world. She took that holy moment and it responded with with something great. This quote was shared with us in our leadership group at camp this week, and I love it. Elizabeth Barrett Browning said that the world is full of burning bush, or burning bushes, and there is lots of holy ground, but only those that are really seeking God and really seeing will take off their sandals and set on that holy ground. The rest will just stand around picking blackberries. Folks, He has called us through a burning bush to make a difference. You have a holy purpose. Get to it. Let go of the guilt. Let go of the shame of the past and pick up the purpose that God has put into you. God has put a purpose in every single one of us. We talk about it here a lot. L1 and L2, love God and love others. We have that purpose. But listen to the words of the song that Franklin just sang, and we're going to invite you to sing this chorus with us again. My sin was deep. Anybody? Your grace was deeper. My shame was wide. Your arms were wider. My guilt was great. Your love is greater still. Now, maybe you are battling guilt and you're struggling and you want to talk to somebody. We have our prayer room available and our prayer warriors will be there. Maybe you want to stick around. Maybe you want to call us this week and say, hey, let's go get a cup of coffee. Don't leave this week. Don't leave this room carrying that guilt. One more step. Lay it down. Thank you for listening to audio from Central Christian Church in Portales, New Mexico. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others. But please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission.
connect with us, visit our website at centralwired.org.